Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of The Games We Love, a weekly video game podcast focused on positive and fun discussion, industry news, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron White, and I am happy to be joined by my co-hosts, Kevin Brackett. Hey, now. And Brad Hine. Hey, hey. We are notably absent one host this week, unfortunately. Jesse could not be with us. We had to record a little bit early because these two guys here with me are planning on seeing Doctor Strange on our normal recording night, and Jesse had something that she had to be doing tonight that was more important, which is wrapping up her HelloFresh sponsorship, trying to meet her goals. So we are wishing her well. We are missing her, but she will be back next week for sure. Well, gentlemen, Doctor Strange is on the horizon. Have you guys been checking out reviews yet that came out today? I've seen some blurbs on Twitter that's got me pretty excited. I think Kevin even had one. You saw the screening already, didn't you, Kevin? I did, yeah. Myself and Aaron were lucky enough to see it a little bit early. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited. Good. I don't know if you Are guys you a say anything Sam Raimi right? fan, generally? The director? You know, as much as I can be. I'm not, you know, a diehard fan or anything, but yeah. It doesn't okay. sound very it's yeah, not I mean, encouraging. Like, I know yeah. a lot of Raimi fans who, you know, like it, it, he's not the what's selling me on the movie, but I, I appreciate his work for sure. You know, I okay. grew up on Spider-Man and I know he's he's big into the horror, things like that. And so I'm very curious how much Marvel lets him do his thing with this because they very much have a formula with what they do. So they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how people react to this movie because it's not Spider-Man, Sam Raimi. Sure. It's yeah. <laughs> Evil Dead, Sam Raimi, with a little bit of Marvel control, but a lot of Sam Raimi. <laughs> I'm excited more to see Sam Raimi fans... than it's... It's more oh, it's Sam Raimi than, than Marvel? people are expecting. It, oh. It's it's Sam Raimi through and through. And, Interesting. Yeah. How people feel about the marriage of Marvel formula and Sam Raimi is going to determine ultimately where they land with this movie. Okay. Because it's a thing. That'll help, it's a, That'll help it's me a, set my expectations. wild thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to see the reactions and talk to people about it for sure, I think. How the rest of your week been? Anybody do anything interesting? Brad? Anybody go <laughs> for a trip, perhaps? I did. I drove over to uh, University of Illinois and uh, ran a half marathon on Saturday with some of my buddies. Um, that was the rescheduling of the 2020 uh, half marathon. Of course, we know what happened there. Everything got shut down. I was 11 weeks into a 16-week program to try to make my best half marathon time that year and didn't get to do that. But this year, we had a good time, good trip, played some games, ran 13 miles, and Came home. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good trip to me, but okay. I'm glad that you had a great time. I'm glad you were successful and achieved your goal. I, I definitely am. Now, it's really cool to see the pictures of you on the University of Illinois football field, I think it was. Yep. It was 50 yard yeah. line. It's just wild to me that people would run when they're not running from something like a bear, <laughs> zombies. That's, I mean, I'm right I there totally. With you. Yeah, right, but when I have to, I'm prepared now. Pyramid head, anything. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> The tall lady, whoever's chasing you, I get it. You know, I get it. But uh, no, uh, you know, status quo, same old, same old, you know, hanging out with the baby, watching watching some movies here and there. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary. Getting into a little gaming, a little bit of gaming here and there too, which is nice. He had a birthday. How about you, Aaron? 
I was home by myself most of the weekend, and instead of pushing forward on any of the numerous games that I'm currently playing, I decided to randomly start Final <laughs> Fantasy XII Zodiac Age on PlayStation Now at 11 p.m. on Friday night, and played about an hour and was like, mm, it's too old. And I said, you know, I really miss Final Fantasy 15, and I played it on the Xbox back in the day. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just reinstall that one. So I woke up Saturday morning to it all fresh installed and started playing it again. And I've now dumped, you know, 20 plus hours back into it on a second playthrough. And I've got, you know, delusions of platinum grandeur in my eyes of what I'm going to play this game through to its completion. And I may make it. I've looked at the guides and I don't think it's that difficult, honestly. And it's all content that I want to achieve. So. I've just fallen in love with that game, Final Fantasy 15, the Royal Edition all over again. And so I've been taking some notes and I'll probably give like a thorough review of it when I finish up here in a couple of weeks or so. But yeah, just absolutely completely immersed once again into that world. And I really enjoyed that one. I have that platinum from, I think, was it 2015 or so that that came out? Yeah, 2015, 2016, somewhere dove, around there. Yeah. Dove right into it and didn't give up. <laughs> it's got me it's a fun game. even more excited all over again that final fantasy 16 is coming decently looks soon good. too yeah it's got me wow wanting that well this week's listener question is from andy and this is a conversation that i had with this listener about this and so i want to ask you guys first and then i'll kind of give my thoughts but i'm very curious how you're going to feel about this the question in a nutshell is when do you consider a game in quotes beaten in my friend group, we have a term we call GG, and that's we call it GG, good game, end of game. There's the GG app that we all use to log our games on, and so we call it a GG when we essentially roll credits or beat a game. But there has been some debate about what that means and how different people interpret what beating a game is. Is it rolling credits? Is it just being satisfied with the game? Is there some percentage for you. So I was just curious what you guys kind of consider as your metric for beating a game. I'd say roll credits. I mean, that's where I'm at. I it's th these days there's so much to do to complete a game and I know I rarely ever do it. It's something where I don't 100%, I don't get platinums. I have one platinum ever. It's just not my style of gameplay. I, there's just too much to play and too little time. So I think if I beat the story, if, if it is a story-based game, not something like Call of Duty, but, well, I mean, even they have stories, but not like an online type of game. I, yeah, I credits roll. I beat the game. And then all that other stuff is icing on the cake. I think I'm the same way. By and large, it's when you roll credits, the story's over. I mean, it depends on the scope of the game, I think, because there's a lot of different things you can do in bigger games like Cyberpunk and The Witcher and Horizon, all kinds of side missions and stuff that uh, some of it's fluff and some of it's meaningful side stories. So my mindset is, for the most part, when credits roll, but I also am very much a trophy hunter. So I like to get that 100%. And that's, I think, when I ultimately think I'm done with this game. If there's still stuff to do in it, I kind I want to do it. But if I'm, you know, it depends on what I want to do with the game. And that's where I'm at with it. Like I finished the story of Resident Evil 2 
remake. I think I beat it two or three times and I beat Resident Evil 3 remake. But did I get every trophy? Did I speed run it? Did I get the under two hour thing? Or you know, like I didn't do any of that. But I would still tell people I beat those remakes. Like you know, sure, to, to me, it's it, it's like the main story one time, and then the other stuff is you know, I wouldn't say I completed it, but I beat it. Yep. So let me toss this wrench in there. What about a game like that is doesn't have a beginning A to B story? So when would you consider like a sports game beaten or? And I'm saying for logging purposes. So if you're tracking games on a yearly basis that you have completed in a given year, that's the metric that I'm kind of getting at here. How would you account for those kind of games? I don't know how I would classify a sports game. I would just say when I'm just done with playing it, when I'm no longer interested in playing it anymore, when something else catches yeah. my eye. Because I'm my mentality is I'm all in on something. Like Overwatch, I would never say that I beat it. That's just competitive online multiplayer for the last six years. But uh, I put way more time into that game than I have in any other game probably in history. So, yeah, it's weird. To, it's weird to think about those games in the in the sense of beating them. But uh, when I'm mentally done with them, I think what is what I would say. Yeah, that's tough. I, if there's maybe a career mode, or maybe if you did a season, and again, I don't even know how long that would take, but maybe for a full season, or if there's a like I know in the WWE games, my son really likes those and there are these career things, but I don't know that it actually ever ends. I don't know. I mean, you maybe become a champion or something, but then you're constantly defending it. So uh, yeah, that's a really tricky one with sports. And I honestly don't play too many of those games. So I've never thought about that. So for me, I would say those games, kind of, and this kind of leads into my overall opinion on this that sparked the controversy, frankly, and is that, you know, when... I get done when I feel like I have experienced the vast majority of what a game has to offer. And I've put what I believe, and I feel like it is a moving target. It is a personal, emotional choice of I've put X amount of time into a game. If I put 20 hours into FIFA playing different FIFA modes, I beat that game. I, GG, I, for completion purposes, I'm going to consider that game as a, I beat this game in 2022, right? Because I've done what I needed to do to know what I need to know in order to make a final decision on how I feel about that game. The specific instance that became the issue for us was Metroid Dread. I played Metroid Dread for 25 plus hours and I got all the way to the final, final boss and I went through multiple bosses along the way that took me an hour to beat at a time some of them 45 minutes. None of them were quite hard enough to the point where I quit the game, which is I'm grateful for. I was a little bit nervous because when games get to the point where it's going to take an hour plus for me to beat a boss, that's not fun for me. I don't enjoy that. Well, the final boss, that's what it became. It got to the point where I was like, this is asking so much of me from a skill level that I don't think I have. And frankly, I don't have the desire to spend three hours of my gaming time trying to accomplish this one magical perfect thing to say that I beat the game, right? To, because that's the only thing that's left. There's nothing else past this. I've done everything else I could possibly do. And so I'm considering that game beaten. And the pushback was I didn't get credits, so therefore I don't get to call it beaten. And, I mean, I'm not out there bragging and, like, trying to compare myself to someone who beat the boss. I'm not lying about it. I'm just saying for my personal tracking statistics like i have finished the game and i feel like i've done enough that 
warrants me being able to say that. So that's where it kind of came from. I think that's fair that for yourself, I think that's fair, but I don't think you beat it and I think you need to beat it. <laughs> oh man. No, I really, I didn't want to say it. Like You're so you put close your time and, in and you can be done yeah, with it, but I don't think you, you beat it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't think oh. you did buddy. Sorry. No, I need support. Yeah, I get it because I would I've been there, you know, with those speed runs and, and harder difficulty games. I'm talking about Uncharted again, but there were times where I wanted to just be done with it. Like you were with Kingdom Hearts where like, you know, just you get to that point mentally where it's like I don't you don't want to put that time in. And it's it's just seems too hard. There was a moment in Uncharted 2 where I did not think I was going to beat that train boss. And, you know, you get to that point where you just want to be done with it. But I, be- I believe in you. I think you can do it. <laughs> I haven't played Man, Metroid Dread to know it. what you're talking about, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a hard sell for me. All right. Well, I guess that's, I mean, I wanted to get your honest opinions and I got your honest opinions. Unfortunately, this is backfiring <laughs> on me. I was hoping to get some support so that when the listeners hear this, that, you know, they, yeah. maybe I could have some people on my side. Maybe you're out there. Anybody listening right now, if you're on my side on this, please write in to Twitter, to Facebook page, to the email address, to the Discord, anywhere you can find us. Just let me know that I have some backup, please. <laughs> I would appreciate it. This is two weeks in a row now. I don't need to be the guy that is like always on the opposite end of history because we've got oh, no. the Mario <laughs> issue and now we got like, I, I need somebody in my corner. And put if down you have a question. Final Fantasy 12, put down Final Fantasy 15, <laughs> beat Metroid Dread. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a waste of my time. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you're right. If I there. do, it's you'll be the feel first. So to know. good. Yeah. Yeah. I know it would if I did it. Yeah. I don't know that I can't. I really don't know. Anyway, you can do know. it. I know that you can. Well, listeners, if you have a question you want to ask us, anything uh, topical, specific, just again, write in. Let us know. We like to start the podcast with these each week, so we'd be happy to answer one of yours as well. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about some of the games we have been playing in depth. I know that we've all been playing one specific game, so we should probably start there. That is The Amazing Rogue Legacy 2, which I'll start by saying thank you to the developers Stellar Door for providing us all codes to the game, so we were able to kind of get a jump start. I've been playing it for a couple years now just because my original interview with them was scheduled two years ago and we just got around to it here recently but they were able to give us a couple more and so you guys have gotten to put in some time and i've played a lot of it i have tons of thoughts Uh, some of them were on that interview so i want to start with you guys and i want to know what you think of it and i'm going to ask kevin for you to go first because you just talked about rogue legacy on our last podcast and now you're going of all of us, you are making the interesting jump of literally back to back within days going from Rogue Legacy to Rogue Legacy 2. So I feel like if anybody has a full perspective here or a very clear perspective, I should say, on the differences and the changes, you're going to be the guy that will notice them more than maybe me and Brad will. So yeah, how's it uh, landed for you there, bud? Yeah, so I told you last week I was playing the original Rogue Legacy. I, I wanted to get a feel for where the game 
evolved too with this new one. So I played that for about six hours. So I didn't get super in depth with it, but it took all my gaming time for last week. And then I said, well, one, I wanted to talk about this new one. So I needed to get a move on. But two, it's like, I just, it, it looked so shiny and new and I kept seeing stills from it and videos and clips and everyone was talking about it. So I had to try it out. It is Rogue Legacy 2 is incredible. I've been waiting for this discussion to say to either of you, I just can't believe how good this game is. I loved the first one. I thought it was so great. The mechanics, I saw where all these roguelites came from and and how they built upon what Rogue Legacy did. And then they took all that and they improved upon the perfection that was Rogue Legacy. I love the art style. It gets that graphic fidelity boost right away. It's super high definition and high resolution detailed graphics, but it's this cartoony style, kind of like Scribble Knots. if you've played that. It reminds me of that kind of a cartoony, but yet really detailed style. I like it a lot. The skill tree, where I thought the skill tree was really cool in the original game, but they upgraded it and it is so beefed up now. It is amazing how many different things you can put points into. And the classes, there are so many classes to choose from. Do you know the number? Are there like 16 of them? There's a ton. I don't know. I just know it's massively expanded upon. Yeah, there were a a few in the original. And now there's somewhere like 12 or 16 of the classes. I don't even have them all unlocked. But I have to say mages, amazing. Chefs, unbelievably (laughs) chefs are so cool gunslingers i like how you can jump in the air and fire in different directions that allows you to avoid a lot of enemies especially the melee enemies that can't reach you you just jump above them and shoot down uh and the pizza knight i'll tell you what once i got the pizza ability for the knight and i don't know how i got it i just restarted and all of a sudden my knight had a pizza he was throwing pizzas uh (laughs) and so i that's an absolutely incredible one yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, so because I saw, I was reading on it to try to figure out where this came from. It was in some update, and it's something you can unlock, but it randomly gave it to me. And all of a sudden, I'm throwing pizzas like they're like boomerang razors, and you can just keep throwing them, and they hit the guys three or four times and come back to you, and you can throw multiples. It's such a cool ability. It's but, like the Leviathan X kind of in God of War. I mean, it's, it's yeah, wild. Yeah, or like pizzas. a Captain America shield. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and so all these new classes have made the game even more fun. Like I was fine on Rogue Legacy. If this game didn't exist, I'd still be playing Rogue Legacy. I'd be putting all my time into it because it's so fun. But it took that and made it even more interesting because you have so many classes which completely changed your gameplay, your strategy. And I'm having really a fun time with those new classes. What I noticed about this game is it seemed easier than Rogue Legacy. Like Rogue Legacy, and even though I was new to the game, but like I was dying so frequently. It was ridiculous how I would go into the castle, die, go into the, you know, and I would hardly make it anywhere. This game, I think, is a better entry level to players because it kind of lures you in with this false security because you're like, oh yeah, I could play this game. It seemed really easy from the start. But the further you get into the castle, and especially when you get to like the next stage, if you go down to the tunnels or whatnot, that's like instant death. I mean, I can't yeah. <laughs> hardly, I'm, I think I've put 10 or 12 hours into this game. I'm maybe level 40 something with upgrades. And yeah, if I go into the tunnels where there's no lights and you're just like following, there's like a little orb of light around you and the rest is dark. Yeah, I, I can't do anything in there. So the game is still super hard, but I like how at least when you start, 
it doesn't make you like some people may be prone to give up like this game is just too hard and i think they did a really good job of letting you ease into it but still it's very challenging and uh and then yeah just i love all the skill levels my one complaint about it and i'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing but because of my style of play how i want to unlock everything just how we were talking about side quests and how i want to go pick up all the books and stuff in skyrim and apples and steal it all like with this game there's so many skill the skill tree is so massive i want to unlock everything which means i have like one point in everything and i'm not good enough to get anywhere with that so i have to grind and keep playing to to power you know level my guy up but yeah i'm having a blast with it it is so good and every time i'm working i'm thinking about how i want to be playing rogue legacy (laughs) 2 that's a good feeling well one pro tip i will tell you is that with the skill tree if there is an ability that pops up that is one of one that's something developers want you to get. So if you're listening to this and you're not playing the game yet or you just started or whatever, just know that if there's something that's there and it says one of one, those are kind of like expected critical skills. They're classes or major abilities. Like there's so many different times you can get things to level up your intelligence scaling or your attack scaling decks and all these different things that you can just do over and over and over. But the ones that are one of one are really important. And then the other big thing with the skill tree is it's interesting to note that it goes left and right. And so unlike a typical tower, because at first when the game starts, you really feel like you're just going to be building up, but you can keep, you can keep picking skills on the far right of the tree and sometimes on the far left and it will begin to open up new columns of the tower. Like it goes pretty far out to the right as well. It's not nearly just a vertical tower. I've and seen the just, picture. massive, yeah. The picture of the completed skill tree, or at least, I don't know, pretty far into it. Someone that I think was level 300 had leveled stuff Yo, up pretty well. And I'm I mean, 94, I, and that's insane to me. 300. It was, it was like... This guy was like 294 or something. It was definitely the high 200s. So clearly they put, you know, 10 out of 10 and all the stuff they could. But I saw how massive that thing was. And I'm like, I'm going to get there. But I don't know when I'll have the time to. But this game is so fun with the new abilities and and keeping you interested to keep leveling things up and trying new classes. And whatever they do with this formula, this is my game. I think I said on the first episode that looter shooters were kind of my thing and i still love them but no it's roguelites that's that's Mm -hmm. my genre this game keeps my interest and it does something that other ones like it's not a story thing it's 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 even though the gameplay is so similar it it, you know the levels keep changing there's all these different classes now different ways to play the game this keeps my interest where i could pick this up anytime whether i have an hour or five hours of free time and i am so into it and you know don't want to do anything else so i've i've definitely found my genre here brad how's your experience with it been so far really good i've uh dove in a lot deeper than i thought i was going to right away because i put so much time in the first one yeah, I picked this up like it like there was no break whatsoever and and jumped right in. I think I'm level 60 something now. I've been having a lot of good runs, a lot of gold focused runs because I want to get those skills and and try to make the next run as, you know, even better than the last and Kevin's really nailed most of everything that I like about it too. Um the funniest class that I found was actually this afternoon before the podcast. Um it was a it wasn't a class it was a trait he was a, a pacifist where all he did was carry around a 
a, a, a sign with a peace sign on it and you couldn't hurt anybody, but all the gold was 175%, I think. So I was just raking in money. I think I made like 6,000 gold just in that first area walking around. It was really tough to not kill anything because in some screens there would be things just shooting at you all over and you can't do anything about it, but just kind of knock them away. But I've had the most success with the Valkyrie and the Mage. I think Kevin mentioned the Mage or Aaron did one of you too. I like being yeah, at a distance. Mage is really and sh- good. Yeah. And uh, actually got the first boss down today as well. So that was that was really exciting. But I, I booted up the original game just to see where I was at with that one um, a little bit ago. And it was level 600. <laughs> That's how much time I put into it. And, and uh, But yeah, everything about this has improved. Uh, the Just the look of it, the feel of it. Like Kevin said, it, it is very, uh, very easy to pick up. And it, it, it doesn't... Uh, uh, I forget how you worded it, but it doesn't uh, it hits you later on once you get in those tunnels yeah. and everything where, you know, it just hits you with surprise. This is going to be a lot harder than you think it is. Yeah, because I'm like, uh, this game's easy. I, I, I played the first one and I'm dying left and right. I, I was embarrassed with like I, I was trying to figure out a way to zoom out to see if I could see my my legacy, my family tree. And mm-hmm. if I did, I was going to be too embarrassed to share it because I knew I had died a hundred and something times already. Like it's yeah. just I was dying. And uh, this one, I'm like, OK, I could play this. And then as soon as you get into it, it's like, no, this is still extremely challenging. I got a random yeah. cutscene today too. That's where I was wondering if it was the number of times I died that triggered it. It was said something about a thousand years, and I went back and I counted each one of my errors, and it was thirty six deaths. I don't know if that was something that triggered it or what that cutscene was, but that 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 made me go back and look at at how many times I had died, and you know. I know. I still got a lot to figure out. I like going through the maps and figuring out what the relics are. Even if I'm having a good run, I'm like, oh, this is a new relic. I want to see what it does and if it's going to benefit my run. A lot of times it doesn't. And, and I'll have uh, a curse that's that where everything's fatal. And that's really what messes up my runs if I get that one hit curse. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, there's a deep lore that they've built into the game. And I don't know the cutscene you're talking about. I probably either got it a long, long time ago or it wasn't in existence when I past whatever mark it was that you just passed. But there is sort of a challenge system built into this that is there to expand upon the gameplay. It's almost like a side quest kind of a functioning deal that you'll unlock eventually. And as you go, your minds are just going to be more and more blown because it really is more than just being bigger as a castle. So in the first Rogue Legacy, it's the castle and you're just exploring different rooms within it, different parts of it. But this, like, once the biomes show themselves, you know, it's six unique areas. One of them is the castle. The other five are snowy or, you know, underground or all these different things. And they don't necessarily, they do get more difficult, but it becomes more of a roguelike where you start to unlock abilities. Have you guys, either of you, unlocked any traversal type abilities yet that have to do with jumping or maneuvering your character? I can yeah. like dash in the air. Did you? But you had to do a thing, right? You had to go through the little challenge course yeah. to yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. So there's one of those per area. Okay. And you, yeah. once you find it, you know you are able to. Is it, there's lore attached to that. And then you're able to do that, and it will assist you in getting through the previous areas easier as well. 
So it actually becomes a lot harder than Rogue Legacy pretty quick to the point where I enjoy the challenge, but I, I, I enjoy it because it's a roguelite, because I'm always making progress. I'm getting to yeah. achieve, you know, even just one little point of 1% better strength. I get a some sort of a chemical reaction in my brain that says I have a better chance than I did before. And it pushes me forward to move on. It's so different than if it was a zero versus 1%. You know, it could be like 0.5%. And I would feel different emotionally, mentally going into that next run. And I love that. One thing I wanted to also tell you guys, because I know you haven't beaten a ton of the bosses yet. I mean, I, heck, I've only gotten two down out of the six. I'm on my third and I keep getting to them. I haven't beaten them yet. But each area has a special secret place. And if you unlock, I don't remember the number of them, but there's a certain number of lore scrolls around the biome. And if you find them and unlock them all, many of them are hidden behind the walls. Did the game teach you how to break walls? I can't remember if it yeah. teaches you that. Or, like, okay. You do like a special move or something it says. And you use your magic on the cracks. Yeah. And yeah. it can like unlock hidden areas. So there's like 10 scrolls or something. And when you read them, all that will give you a clue to where this special ability is. It's never obvious on your screen. You'll have to kind of look for it. But when you find it, it gives you a, per, a permanent plus 15% boss damage in that biome. Each one has one. So if you find it before you fight the boss, obviously that's ideal but even if you find it afterwards it's going to be effective if you go back to the game in a new game plus setting so it never goes away but it's just one of those little like things where the game is never going to tell you that it does not outwardly push it on you it's just a thing where if you actually explore enough you read and actually pay attention to what the scrolls that you are finding are telling you you can find this that gives you a significant boost. And I love, love, love that concept in games in general where I could find something that some, it's kind of got the same thing with Elden Ring. Like I could find something that you don't because I was more thorough. I want to be rewarded for being the person that, you know, pies the room is what they say when you're like entering a room and scanning it for, you know, intruders. I don't know if, well, anyway, military police type stuff, but like, when you are looking in every single piece of a map to find out what it has to offer and you get that cool bonus, it's really rewarding. That's cool. The um, the other thing is there's lots and lots of systems that are just in this game that are constantly going to be unlocked. I can't remember when Resolve gets introduced. Have either of you experienced Resolve or is that something that we start off with? I'm working on getting more of it because I want. Okay. I always buy those relics and cut my, cuts my health down to next to nothing sometimes. So that's yes. where I'm trying to focus on all my points right now is so I can start off with more of it. Yeah, we've got it, but I I don't really understand it. I know that uh, they do the thing. I think when you spend it, it's the thing that reminded me of Hades when you go into a room and you can pick like one thing or the other. That seems to mm -hmm. be something that I don't. I in my short time playing the first one, I didn't see that, and in this one, there's that choice of the two things but then it always takes like 25 resolve but i don't really know much more than that yeah the first game had a very very minimal number of those choices 
and it didn't cost necessarily anything. And so the resolve system was put into place to mitigate some broken runs. I guess in Rogue Legacy 2, originally it didn't have the resolve system. The dev was talking about how that came into play during an early access feedback loop because people were picking up certain relics and basically they were just making relic runs where you would just go around trying to get as many relics as you could possibly get and you would be able to break the game because you could get some incredible combinations. And so to mitigate that, they put this resolve system in where every one you take, it's going to cost you a percentage of your HP bar, essentially. So ultimately, you are limited in the number that you can take, and you kind of have to really weigh the cost. And you can play the game your way. So you could play with a high health bar and low resolve, or you could go for a low you know, starting health and a character that has a very high resolve and then go for a bunch of relics, which of course are random. So who knows what you're going to get and what kind of combo you're going to be able to come up with. I really like that a lot. I'm like you, Brad. I have my runs often completely stopped in their tracks, no matter what I've accomplished, because if I come across a relic and it's question marks, I have to take it. I need to unlock it. Same thing with traits. When I get my new character options, if one of them has something that I haven't seen yeah. before, well, well, I guess I'm that guy. Even if I don't like the character, like there's certain ones yeah. I just don't like, but oh yeah, I'll take them <laughs> just to I'm find the out. Same way with those question marks. I th- and that's that's one of the reasons why this game's so addicting. And, and I don't say that in the bad way because you're not buying a bunch of loot crates or something. It's not addictive in a negative way, but it really keeps my interest because there's so much to unlock, there's so much to explore, so many different ways to play the game that I it, it keeps my interest enough to where I want to keep playing. And like you mentioned, Aaron, if I see that oh I've got this boost, like if I'm about to hang up the game. And then I see, oh, but this new character has plus 25% gold and this, that, or the other. I'm like, well, I got to play now because I want to get, I want to see how that turns out. And it keeps me so hooked where seriously, if I could, if I, I say this now, I mean, I know eventually I'd get burnt out. You know, you play any game, the best games, you're going to get burnt out after hundreds of hours. You're just going to want something new. But at this point right now, I have not turned on another game other than Rogue Legacy and Rogue Legacy 2. I am so Same. satisfied and happy playing these games that I know I could do this for a while because it is that fun and interesting of a game. Yeah, and it's addicting. It, just like it was with Hades when I played that earlier this year. It's so easy on a good run or even a bad run, when that run is over, be like, oh, let's do one more. We've touched on that already on this podcast. But I do look at the hero, see what's on there, be like, I got time for one more. And then it just turns into an endless cycle. I'm like, I have to put this down. I have to tell myself to put this down because it's. I just go all in on it. Where like a full run through three biomes takes me an hour. And so it starts to get to that point where, you know, you're really pushing the time. But if you do that, you can get a lot of, gold and you you kind of get to the point where it's your runs are very different so if i'm going for just a gold run sometimes i'll go straight to the biome that i'm the the furthest biome i've gotten to or whatever like i'm the third one in i've unlocked a bunch of them because the pizza girl that you meet can unlock them permanently so i can travel to a whole bunch of places that i would die really quickly so i don't go there but the one that i'm working on the boss like i'll go straight there And I can get, you know, it's a higher gold drop percentage in general in the biome. And 
maybe I have a really good build and I just want to go straight for the boss. So I will go there and try to make my way to the boss as fast as possible. There are other times where I will go to the first biome to the castle and I'll just kind of really fun, just dink my way through there because I'm OP at that point for that biome, but I'll do it in order to find the relics because I'm looking specifically to try and really kind of strengthen my case over the first two and then go fight a boss. It's it's amazing because I just, I feel like I don't have a plan that I do over and over. I do it differently all the time and it's so much fun. One of the abilities I will promote to you guys and, and you guys listening as well, that is my favorite. My son and I went for this one right away and we maxed it out as quick as possible. There is one that will refill your health and your MP a certain percentage when you enter a boss room So we maxed it out. So now we don't have to ever worry about where we're at. Like we could be almost dead and it won't matter because when we enter the boss room, we're going to enter it with full health and full MP. And that was a game changer for us because otherwise we would be getting ready to the point. We'd be like, okay, we're going to go kill the boss on this run. That would be our plan. But we'd be, you know, limping our way to the finish line (laughs) and no real way to heal up other than to grind for, you know, random meat drops which could take forever and so this completely changes that for you where if you're ready to go fight you can go fight and you'll be you know at your best possible uh health to do so so yeah i recommend that one i love the chef i gotta say i love the chef too a chef and the boxer are two of my favorites the chef in particular is one of my go-tos for bosses in general specifically because or champion enemies just because of the damage over time i love the flame the flame yeah. damage and uh, deflecting and self all the heal. shots, yeah, the, and the, the healing <laughs> and the deflection. That the chef, I think, is has the best starting traits of any character. It's there's so many great things to do with that. Um, I got one rune that let me get an eight percent chance from each enemy to drop health, which was great. That kept me going for a long time. And then one of the traits I got was really weird. I think it did like a plus 50% or it might've had like two plus 25% healths, but I did zero damage to enemies. So it was really frustrating because I instinctively wanted to damage enemies. I mean, I just like, even though I knew I couldn't, I kept trying to fight them and it would do zero damage. The only thing I could do was use, what is it called? Spell or magic? Or what is your attack that, is it called magic or special ability? Uh, yeah i don't know what's your alternate the thing that uses mp is it magic your skill i think it's your skill yeah Yeah. so i could do that and i i had the one where it it does like rainbow colors and a big circle and you can attack multiple enemies but i used it twice and my mp was gone so i couldn't fight anybody i think i could hit them and get mp back but it was like 10 at a time and then it took 100 to do the rainbow thing again so it was just a really frustrating way to play because i was getting gold when they dropped gold i got a ton which was great but i could hardly get it so i don't know it was a really weird one it only happened once but yeah no damage to enemies (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty cool very very neat the way that you can kind of get unique different types of enjoyment out of this game for sure so i'm glad you guys are loving it we all three are all heartily co-sign this is a great game for this year and, and it's well worth your money the one feature i wish we had was cross save kevin and i talked about this some offline how we both love to play things on all our different consoles because we have every single console and like it's frustrating for me i have 30 hours plus and you know 95 levels on steam but steam is not convenient for me because i share it with my son and so 
I have to bring my laptop out to the TV and hook it up. And I would love to just have it on my Xbox. And my friends keep saying, just buy it and start over. You'll be fine. But I just, I can't do it. I can't mentally break myself from my progress and to do that. So it's just a a big time commitment. I wish that, I just wish it was easier for developers to create cross save. You know, I'm sure it's not easy. I'm sure it's not just because they don't want to. It's, there's got to be a complication to do that. But man, in my perfect world, (laughs) that's how games are always going to have that. (laughs) But I'll tell you, I mean, that's how much I love this game is, you know, we we graciously received the key and and uh, were able to get it to review and I started playing it on Steam. And then I was like, I, I don't want to be tied down to a computer. I had to buy it for Xbox. So that's how much I was enjoying it. I knew I was going to play this for so many hours. I got it for the Xbox. And if you haven't bought an Xbox Series X or Series S yet, and you're kind of on the fence about which one to get, or maybe you can't find a Series X. The Series S is so powerful and it runs the games, you know, it's maybe a little bit less of a native resolution, but even playing on a 4K TV, it looks great and it performs so well. I hardly notice a difference unless I'm right up next to the TV looking at the details between the Series S and the Series X. And that Series S is so portable. Not only is it $200 less than the X, but it's so portable. I love it because I can take it from room to room and store a ton of games on it. So that's been my my perfect transport between rooms system. I highly recommend a Series S if you're looking for something affordable and still very powerful. Nice. Trying to bait me into the one major console <laughs> that I don't have. <laughs> I have the newest Switch, the newest Xbox, the newest PS5. And you're like, get the next the newest Xbox too. Oh, man. Well, great game and highly recommended from all three of us. Is there anything else you guys have been playing this week? Uh, not this week. I wanted to mention uh, I was on a beta for a game I kickstarted uh, the all most of April called The Curse of the Sea Rats. I don't have a release date for it yet but the uh the developer is patoon studios um you might know them from my friend peppa pig or pj max uh, they developed those those kids games but this one is more of a adult game i guess i, w- I don't want to say adult but i guess i'm a more oh is it game. leasure suit larry adjacent no, it's not leisure suit larry okay <laughs> but uh, but no they uh it's really it's really fun. It's a hand drawn Metroidvania uh, where a pirate crew becomes uh, cursed by turning into a bunch of rats, and it uh, it's all hand drawn and it it looks really cool. If you think of like the hand drawn like Cuphead, not the actual style there, but the the animation and everything how that plays out, it's a lot of fun. From what I played of it for the the short time on the beta, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. So it's something to to check out if you're interested in in something like that i think the website is curse of the com. interesting yeah. very interesting well i played and beat yes i rolled credits multiple credits actually thank you very much because this game has like fifteen thousand endings uh, the stanley parable ultra deluxe which came out a few days ago as of recording time this was a new release along with rogue legacy 2 last week and i wasn't gonna get it because I was lukewarm on the original game. But my daughter got it. She's a humongous fan. Both of my kids were. In fact, the way that I played the first game was my PC was next to my bed in my bedroom, uh, just for room purposes, space purposes. And I was at my computer desk playing on my PC, and both kids were sitting on the bed like trying to watch me and direct me through the Stanley Parable. And it was just a real awkward kind of way to play it. 
and they had so much history with it. So they were giggling and, you know, reacting to things and I just wasn't connecting to it. But she was so smitten with this new version of the game because she wanted it right away. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I like supporting indie devs because even if I don't end up loving the game, I can appreciate the fact that I helped give them some money, which they deserve and need to continue (laughs) making games. And so I bought it on PS5 and I absolutely loved it. It is a phenomenal game. If you're not familiar with the Stanley Parable one and the kind of unique what hook for this game, you're essentially a character named Stanley and you're a first person point of view and you wake up at your desk and there's a narrator and this narrator is kind of walking you through a scenario where everyone in your office has disappeared. So it's just you in the game and you are in this empty space and you're trying to figure out what has happened. And the narrator is talking nonstop and he's like, go left, go right, do this. And you come to a a couple of choices pretty frequent or pretty instantly where it's like the narrator told Stanley to go through the left door or he'll, he'll say it as if it happens. He'll say, Stanley came to a, you know, wall and there was a blue door on the left and a red door on the right. Stanley walked through the blue door to go to his boss's office and you can do whatever you want. So you, you walk through the red door and the narrator will react and it'll be like, Stanley clearly did not hear what the narrator said. And then he'll he'll be like, (laughs) so Stanley took the next left that he came to so that he could get back on track. And then you walk past that door and he's like, Stanley is, you know, off, you know, and he, he will continually update what he's saying. And there are a ton of these like little branching paths. I'm very intrigued by the design aspect of this game. I would love to see how it was mapped out to account yeah. for all of the different, because you can play it in any order you want. And so it would have, and it reacts accordingly sometimes with the foreknowledge of what your choices were before will be in the dialogue where if Kevin, you may have done it differently, you may have gotten to a certain ending because the game is all about going different paths to get an ending. Right. And then the game resets you back at your desk and you kind of do it again but it builds upon it over and over and over. You have a question? Yeah, this uh, reminds me of the game that I just played on Game Pass a few months ago, the one that Willem Dafoe's in. 12 minutes, the time Yeah, because yeah, that I one ever does, it, but... you make decisions and it changes, and then when you restart, you know things from the previous playthroughs. It's a very similar dynamic, and maybe Stanley Parable did it first, but it just reminds me of that gameplay. Yeah, it is very much, you're building on it as, I think that's more of a, you're doing it as a character, right? And you're trying to solve, I think you're trying to, in that game, you're trying to like stop the murder from happening or something, right? Yeah, and you learn things every playthrough. You learn more. Your character actually knows and they make different decisions and then they die again or whatever happens and then you restart. But your character, the story is changing as you do it and you get different endings based on the choices you make. So it sounds like it's the same type of game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, gameplay-wise. And it's, I can't say a lot about it story-wise because to do so would be to rob people of an incredibly awesome experience is the only way I can tell you is, is something you need to go to without knowledge of and just do it and see what happens because awesome. the way in which it, the things occur and the different endings 
that happen. Like I hesitate to even give any hints as to what they could be because they're so, and some of them are so neat. Some of them are just like, yeah. okay, you know, that happened and it was over, but there's a lot of humor here. And what you ultimately learn about Stanley and his situation is very interesting. And the way that the game built upon the original game, this ultra deluxe is essentially a sequel there's a whole bunch of extra content, more than I expected to be there. And it integrates itself in a really cool way because you can still do all of the original endings, but now some of the original endings, you can get the original ending, but now you'll get it with a different flair because of things that have happened once you get to the point where you experience the new content. There's just, it's all about like experiencing these different endings and going through it, yeah. this loop. And I had a blast. I mean, it, I've done it. I don't know how many times I've died, but you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of loops of this game and I'm not done yet. And you know, it's a fun, easy platinum trophy to get. Well, I say it's easy to get. It's mostly simplistic with the exception of the two that are sort of, you kind of have to cheese or you have to be really proud of doing the work. So in the original Stanley parable, there was an achievement called go outside and you had to not play the game for five years. That's how you get the achievement. In this one, there's an achievement or trophy called Super Go Outside, and it's don't play the game for 10 years. So anybody that has the platinum for this game is a flat-out liar who changed the clock on their <laughs> PS5 in order to ask you. Yeah. cheese it. Yeah, and I, I haven't done it, and I don't think I'm going to do it because I think it would be really cool to eventually one day have it. There's another one that is play the game for the entirety of a Tuesday. <laughs> now, that one... <laughs> I think I'm going to have to like, you're going to have to like turn off rest mode and leave your console on all day long or something. I think you could probably cheese it in the, you know, you could edit and file or something in Steam version to probably get it. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's almost like it doesn't want you to care about that. And it does have, it has a ton of that sort of on the nose, fourth wall type commentary in the game itself. It It is commentating on what it means to be a sequel and and how it's being implemented as you're playing the sequel. It's just really clever and I, I love couldn't it. recommend it more. So that's such a yeah, cool a big, concept. Big, big fan. I had a great experience with it. So I would, you should play it. 12 minutes because the, I will. The story is really interesting. I, they do a good job. The voice acting is good. And, so good. Yeah. And it's the same concept where you're going to, you want to find out this mystery and what's going on because there is a story behind it. And then also the way you play it determines what happens in the story. And I, I think it, I think it'd be worth your time. And I bet you can beat it a lot faster too, because I don't think there's that many endings. But there's enough to keep it interesting and the replay values there. So definitely check that out if you like this one. And I'll check. I'm going to check out your game too. do game swap. <laughs> I, I, I will do that. Yeah, we can we can make that deal. It, it, I had actually was extremely excited for 12 minutes when it first got announced. I, I follow Annapurna releases pretty. I love their games because their games. they're also a movie studio for us. And so right. I've been familiar with their film releases and they're they're narrative matters to them and it, so it that translates into their indie games that they publish and then 12 minutes got just review bombed when it came out and so i i was you know i bounced yeah. off trying it because i was into other stuff but i will i'll definitely do that all right well that's the games for the week uh let's talk some news uh, there's uh, quite a bit has happened in the past week and i, I picked out a few different topics for us to kind of discuss here one of the biggest ones is that square enix 
has sold Crystal Dynamics, Square Enix Montreal, and Eidos Montreal, some of their studios that have developed games in such properties as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, The Legacy of Cain, a whole bunch. There's like more than 50 back catalog of different IPs that were sold to this group called Embracer Group for $300 million. And Embracer Group was, it, it's a kind of a conglomerate of a whole bunch of studio distributors. I don't know how this whole ecosystem works as well as I probably should, but they were formerly THQ Nordic, if you're familiar with that name. And essentially what this deal does is it seemingly gets Square Enix out of Western game development. And Square Enix's statement on the matter said that they were doing it because they wanted to focus their investments in blockchain AI and the cloud. So there's a lot to unpack here. One of the, I mean, 300 million for IPs like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, and the Legacy of Cain alone feels like that sounds crazy. I don't know change how. to me. I don't know. Yeah, those are uh, yeah. big games, and I love I, I love the Tomb Raider games. I I absolutely adore Deus Ex, Thief. I mean, the Thief games are really good, and and you know, and there's the older games like Legacy of Cain that I haven't heard of in a long time, but I I always used to enjoy those games. That seems like a lot of properties just between Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, like 300 million. It's a bargain. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it is, and I am hopeful about this deal personally because while I love the newest Tomb Raider reboot series and Tomb Raider's an all-time favorite series for me coming from Crystal Dynamics, there have been rumors that Square's involvement was not always on the most helpful side despite the money coming from there. And I, you know, the studios aren't changing, right? Eidos Montreal, Crystal Dynamics, Square Enix Montreal, these studios are not suddenly wiping their staff out and starting over. It's the same people. It's the same groups that have made these games before, just with a different leadership structure overhead. And my hope is that they're given maybe more freedom. Maybe there's just more understanding coming from the top of what Western audiences want. You know, Crystal Dynamics, they've these studios are responsible for games that have seemingly quote flopped lately. Marvel's Avengers with I shouldn't say seemingly Marvel's Avengers. It did flop like really badly, actually. Crystal Dynamics moved away from Tomb Raider in order to make that. It just did not hit in the way that it's, they were hoping. It's not a good game. I I, I bought that I bought that day one and I, I don't think I ever played it again. It was it just wasn't yep. there. But they also made Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a game that essentially has undersold in its quality you know it won game of the year i think for narrative feature at the game awards last year it's a highly acclaimed game that is extremely good and it's not making the money that it needs and you know i wonder if maybe with a different backer behind them marketing will be different you know i don't know what it's going to do but i've seen a lot of chatter on social media from games people whether it's journalists or creator content creators and people like us podcasts etc who seem to think that there's something wrong with this or that are a little bit concerned but i personally just i think it's pretty much a positive in my opinion and if square enix gets out of this they can just you know what if they want to focus i don't the blockchain thing mm, I, I mean do what you want but like if they're going to focus on development of their properties that they have in-house over in japan 
Like, I love those games. So, by all means, put all your resources into Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy and, you know, your Triangle Strategy and Octopath Traveler game. Like, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> I can live. Yeah, I don't know where I feel or where I land on that yet. I, the the 300 million seemed awfully low for a franchise especially just the tomb raider franchise alone how the history that it has in the the gaming industry and and how i thought that the last three games were really good but i heard some interesting stuff yesterday just browsing around and getting other people's opinions on it that like you said with the western game getting out of the western gaming that it maybe square was positioning itself to get be one of the studios that one of the major players are acquiring like Microsoft or Nintendo or Nintendo or Sony, especially since, you know, all of their games seem to be on those two platforms for the for the most part. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong feeling for it one way or the other yet. I'm still excited. I know a new Tomb Raider is supposedly in development. So, I mean, I don't, that's not going and to change. And they confirm that's going to continue, by the way. So they yeah, have come so... out and said that's not changing. Yeah, so as as the gamer in me, it's just like I'm I'm curious as to what's going to happen now as we're we seem to be in a, a place now where studios are just getting acquired like crazy. And this seems like a position move to to maybe find some value and, and get acquired by somebody, but as just a normal average gamer like myself, until it affects the games I want to play, it it's it's just a more industry story than it is something that affects me, you know. So I don't have a super strong opinion on it. Well, I bet you'll have an opinion on this. So rumors are continuing to grow about the possible Unreal Engine 5 remake of The Last of Us. There are more and more. Every day it feels like someone's saying, oh, there's, there's, I've scraped the internet somehow and found this random screenshot or line of text or somebody posted a job for someone that designs trees. So that means they're definitely remaking The Last of Us for the PS5. <laughs> but how do you guys feel about this? Are you like done with remakes of games that are not that old? I mean, I don't know. No. What is The Last of Us, 10 years old? Or do we want this? Do we want I, Naughty Dog to be putting their resources into this? I don't I, think Naughty Dog's making it, from what I understand from what I've heard on podcasts and, and just news information from the you know the past because i i've always understood that this is coming but it's probably going to be like blue point studio or somebody like they did with the nathan drake collection and i think that i i guess this is all alleged i don't think anything's confirmed yet which is why we're talking about it now but i think sony's like trying to line it up for with to capitalize on the release of the hbo series so if this does come out like i think the rumors right now are that it's coming out this year or late this year but whenever i think it's going to be more positioned along lines along the lines of when the hbo series is coming out if in fact it is real which I think all evidence points to it is happening. But at the same time, I never thought it was absolutely necessary because the remastered version of the game for PS4 is perfect. You know, it's in, in every way, shape and form. It, it's just a better version of the original game. And I don't know what exactly they're doing with it besides just beefing it up a little bit. Uh, we need 60 frames per second PS5 version. That's all it's to it. It's such a masterpiece of a game that I, I think Aaron can totally relate since he loves all the new shiny stuff just to bring that game and that story to the next gen feel i think that would for me that would instantly make me want to replay it i've been kind of hesitating to go back and play it especially with news of it coming so i i would love to see it any of these remakes the, the really good ones the like the resident evils that we mentioned 
Final Fantasy VII, the ones that they're really putting the time and resources into, you know, the the quick remasters are hit and miss. Sometimes it's nice to get a little bit of a fidelity upgrade, but, you know, if they're just slapping it at a higher resolution and upgrading some textures, no. But to get a full Unreal Engine 5 remake of this masterpiece in storytelling and, and great gameplay mechanics, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I'm there. I So I will go on record as saying arguably favorite game of all time the narrative is my favorite game of all time from that perspective and where i get really conflicted between this and last of us 2 is the gameplay is because the last of us 2's gameplay is so refined and so phenomenal moment to moment and when you do replay the last of us even the remastered version there's still some sluggishness to it because they were learning and it was you know that's how games work so if you give me this exact game, everything is the same. Dialogue, level structure, everything works, but the shooting is tighter and works like it did in Last of Us 2, and the movement is 60 FPS, and it you know is gorgeous and in complete 4K or whatever. Like, yes, I would be fine with even Naughty Dog putting their resources into that because I think it is that incredible of a game. And I'm with you where you, what you said, Brad, 100%. I think it's timed to drop with the HBO show. I mean, it is, uh, that's what Sony's done it before with Ratchet and Clank. There was a Ratchet and Clank movie that came out with the Ratchet and Clank game. They were actually the same story, kind of different versions of it or different perspectives of it in a sense, but like they were tied together. And I think that from a marketing standpoint, you would blow it out of the water if you were able to do that. Did Final Fantasy do that with the Advent? I think they, well, they did it with, I don't know if they did it with Advent Children for Final Fantasy. That came way after Final Fantasy VII. But wasn't there another they, Final they Fantasy They did it with Kingsglaive, Final Fantasy XV, Kingsglaive. Okay. It, it, there's actually quite a bit of different, there's an animated, there's an anime as well that goes with that movie and that game. Okay. There's a whole bunch of like media. So yeah, I think for sure that it is going to be tied to that. And you're right, maybe it is Bluepoint or somebody because I know Naughty Dog is working on the multiplayer supposedly working on the multiplayer for the last of us two which you know i don't personally care about i know a lot of people actually like the multiplayer in the last of us and in the uncharted games i've never really good at least but you talked about it yeah you talked about it as in uh you talked about uncharted multiplayer a little bit on one of our episodes yeah the uncharted one's fine i never really i played the most uncharted 2 multiplayer um because that's what got me into the franchise I'm sorry, and Donut Drake. <laughs> Donut Drake, that's right. That's where Donut Drake came from. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But uh, but yeah, the factions on Last of Us, I put a lot of time into that. And it's it's I'm not as good as it, at it as I wish I was because that's the only reason I don't have the platinum for The Last of Us is because you have to get through a whole season of that. And it's it's very much survivalist. You have to get on these certain missions. And there's a point in, I think it's like a 15-week thing where you're trying to keep survivors alive. And there's a point where like the plague comes and wipes out half your crew. And if you don't get the rations and everything to keep them up and you lose, you know, everybody in your base or I I forget the terminology for it. It's been so long that you have to start all over. And I just got so wiped out on trying to get those two trophies that I never platinum last of us. And it kills me to this day because I want that trophy so bad. But I just at this point, everybody who plays faction still is really, really good at it. And I'm not at that level to do it. That's that sucks. I gotta admit, like that would be very frustrating for me if it was just down to like that one thing. But I, can't I get do it. Survival games. That's I don't have the patience for it. The time to do it, like 
I uh, I enjoy them and I get really excited about getting further and building up all this stuff. But then as soon as I die and have to start over, it's so frustrating to me that I just yeah. give up. <laughs> all right. Well, one of the other ones that I wanted to ask you guys about, because this one is close to my heart, is uh, news that dropped just today about the Prince of Persia remake. So it's a game from the early 2000s. It started a franchise, or I don't know if it was a remake itself. Probably was. I don't know. But the original was a side-scroller. Okay. I thought it was something akin to that. So it was a remake itself, but a very good one. And one that helped to really start the genre that would be kind of 3D parkour platforming in a way that became quite prevalent. In a lot of games, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed right. specifically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they announced a few years ago they were going to remake the first game, which The Sands of Time, which I was like, yes, let's freaking go. Love this game, even like the problematic movie with Jake Gyllenhaal to some extent. And they delayed it multiple times. It got delayed from first was supposed to be out January 2021. That got pushed to March 2021. Then that got pushed to, well, sometime before spring of 2023. And then today, they announced that they were taking the game and moving it from its current studio development teams, uh, Ubisoft Pume and Ubisoft Mumbai, and they were giving it to Ubisoft Montreal to work on. And I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on the this game, but I can tell you I'm very sad, personally. I'm a little bit worried because... When a game starts getting moved between studios this late into what it should have been out two years ago or a year ago, I guess, a year and a half ago, uh, you know, per their original plan, it's hard for things to recover from that, in my opinion. And I'm going to be real bummed if this game does not turn out well. But do you guys have any skin in this game? Did you play the originals? I mean, I, I played them. I I enjoyed them. I didn't, I don't think I had as deep of a love as you did, but I did enjoy them a lot. But also I want to say they're moving it to Ubisoft Montreal. They make great games. So I think that gives me more confidence that they're like, hey, we know the fans want this. This can be huge. Let's focus on this. Let's give it to, you know, these guys that know what they're doing. And so that to me, I think that's a big boost in confidence for me that the remake's going to be really good. And if it does really well, then we'll see a new, you know, brand new game. And I, I've never played any of the Prince of Persia games, so okay. I don't have well, any skin need, in the game whatsoever. <laughs> we need the remake then. We need the remake and we yeah. need it to be good so that Brad can play it and experience it. They're actually really good. Like all of them are fun. I've played them all, but like that game was, it just has a really cool mechanic, Brad. It, not only does it have parkour in the way that Assassin's Creed did, you know, a lot of with its first two or three games, but it has this, the Sands of Time is essentially a rewind mechanic. And so it was all about like traversal and parkour traversal. And then when you would make a mistake, you could activate the sands of time and it would kind of do this really awesome animation, you know, and it's tied to the mythological nature of the story in the Middle East. And it would take you back and let you kind of redo Interesting. a very brief section. And so you were, you would use it frequently. It was not a mechanic that was, just there to use if you wanted to. It was built, really built into the DNA of the game and you were intended to use it and had pretty good combat and a pretty cool story. Yeah, I, I just really liked it. So, but I appreciate what you just said, Kevin. You're, you're right. I mean, Ubisoft Montreal has made 
some good games. And they actually did do the most recent Prince of Persia game that came out for the 360, I want to say, about a decade ago or so. And it was fine. It didn't do you know, nearly as big as the original did, but uh, it was it was a good game. So I'll cross my fingers and retain a little bit of hope thanks to that. <laughs> good. Well, last one I wanted to talk about, I just wanted to find out, are you guys watching the Halo TV show or am I the only one that's doing this? I see Brad I shaking his head. I've heard nothing but terrible things about it. I have not even attempted to start it. <laughs> I've heard okay. it's gotten better, but I just I just don't have the interest. So I've been watching this from week one. I was excited for it. And sometimes when I'm excited for things, there's kind of like a, a bar. And if he crossed the bar in my excitement and it's higher, I will not watch the preview copies that I tend to get sent because they'll send you like the first four episodes. And I'm like, I don't want to be ahead of the rest of the world when we're talking about a show that comes out weekly, which is still my favorite way of releasing a show. I like the conversation and reacting every week as we go. So I've been just going with it week by week. The first 20 minutes of the show were pretty incredible. It starts off with an attack and the USNC is there and they're trying to provide the, a protective colony and McCovey is attacking the colony and the Marines show up and the Spartans are there and they do so much awesome work from an action standpoint and the detail they occasionally shift into like visor mode of the helmet, just like you would see from the game. The the guns look exactly like they do in the games. There are sequences where Master Chief like unloads a pistol while he's running and slides, unloads the pistol, throws the pistol and hits a grunt with it and then picks up an auto rifle BR. And like, you know, I mean, it's just incredibly cinematic version of it's what I wanted. After that 20 minutes, it shifts into like, the next like four or five, four episodes or whatever are like this dramatic thing where he takes off his helmet at the end of the first episode, the entire second episode, he doesn't really have his helmet on at all. And it's all about his emotions and making him a character as a person that you can relate to. And it just, it lost us. It was not very good storytelling. It's kind of like in an alternate timeline. It's not quite the exact same thing. And there's some new characters, but you know, there's enough that, you'll relate to and you'll be like, yeah, I understand this and this, but then there's new things that are in there that tweak it in a weird the way. The creators said they didn't like even base it off the games. Like they didn't attempt to even try to mimic the games, which are of course the most popular. I know there's books and everything. I have some of them, but the fan base is coming because they love the games and they're like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did in the, in the sense that there's the covenant and there's artifacts that they're trying to find and they're trying to find the halo ring and you know, like those and there's Spartans and the Spartans were made by Dr. Halsey, like those aspects of it, of it remain intact, but the overall way in which those things occurred have been changed. And I don't like a lot of them. I don't like how dramatic heavy the game, the show is it's an hour long episodes. And so you can imagine just how stretched out they really are getting with it. Well, the fifth episode, and I forget who directed them, but the fifth and sixth episodes were directed by the same person. And they have really started to at least make it a turn. So I'm not going to say the show is good and that I overall am going to have a super positive response to it when it's over. But I can say that the fifth episode was almost entirely a battle. So by nature, it was awesome. And like that's what I wanted to see. 
And it was really positive there. And then the sixth episode kind of continued that and ratcheted up the tension and got a little less dramatic and more suspenseful. And you started, things start to happen finally. Like, and, and I, it was moving in the right direction. Now it's moving in the right direction after sliding down a mountain. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's not like you're near the mountaintop. You're still at the bottom, but at least you're reclimbing again <laughs> instead of dangling, I guess. But uh, okay. yeah, I, I'd i be curious, you know, eventually if you ever check it out, I'd love to hear what you think because I'm very mixed on it, but I feel, and I don't even have the Halo history that a lot of people have. I came to the games very late, but even with the history I do have, having played them all, I, you know, do want the most of it. I want it to be really good and it's just unfortunate because I feel like there were so many potential great adaptations of this game, whether it was Peter Jackson or whether it was Neil Blomkamp. Uh, I've seen a short films from them that was amazing. And it just, they just don't nail the tone here and I don't quite love it at all. So I'm getting yeah. tired of Neil Blomkamp getting fired from projects and not making stuff because he's so good. And then you think like, Oh, he could do a halo thing and Oh, he could do an alien thing. And, they just don't give this guy the stuff. And I think he's really got the talent. I, I know that all his stuff hasn't been perfect, but I've liked a lot of it. And I really, I wish you that he would take on some of these, these projects and properties. I don't know much. I've never was in the halo for the lore. I was always in it for the multiplayer with my friends. Um, mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends who are big into the books of halo and the, and the lore of the games and everything. And every conversation I've had with them was that this show is not halo. It's the, 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 description that i've heard from them was it is a sci-fi show that's reskinned with halo is kind of like the consensus of it but i've heard on the flip side i've heard people say that it uh like you said about episodes five and six where it's really turning around and being really good and kind of interested but i have so many things on my backlog and so many movies even that i haven't watched yet that that are going to come first so one of these days maybe it'll make it to my screen but it's just not there right now for me Totally understandable. Yeah, you got to make choices. That's the thing. There's yeah. so much content, whether it's movies, TVs, or video games out there that you got to come with quality right off the bat. You can't be lackadaisical and expect to find an audience. There's too many options. Yeah, Kevin. I looked up? up episode five and six directed by Jonathan Liebsman, yeah, who directed uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, the Killing Room, Battle Los Angeles, Wrath of the Titans, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Shannara Chronicles, not familiar with that one, and uh, directed reshoots on Doolittle. So he's okay, done listen, a lot of stuff. Listen, none of that is <laughs> indicative of what I just so So what we're saying is he has had a career renaissance with the fifth and sixth episodes of Halo because that stuff you just talked about was... <laughs> You're not a battle Los Angeles. I think you're fan. hurting hurting my case more than helping it here. But <laughs> he's a working director, though. The guy's been oh, around. Oh, a at working least. is that the bar? A... Is that the bar? <laughs> no. Yes, we got a working director. I don't know. I was like, trying. Yes. I was trying. I was trying to look up his filmography. But like, yeah, he's the guy that did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, ooh, hey, Ubisoft but, Montreal knows how to code. Yay. <laughs> you know, but, but he directed Wrath of the Titans and not the second Wrath of the Titans. No, movie, Wrath of right? the Titans is the no, second No, Wrath of the Titans the is first the is second. The first is Clash is the first. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, I don't even yeah. have that. <laughs> Wrath, is, Wrath is <laughs> yeah. not as good. Okay, sorry. So, no, I don't know. But check yeah. out Halo 5 and 6. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 
if you want. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it for us on this episode. Uh, listeners, uh, as always, if you like what you hear, by all means, please subscribe so you can get all of our new episodes as they're released as well. And let your friends know that you like the show because sharing us via word of mouth is the best thing you could do. Second best thing you could do or third best thing you could do is probably second and third best things you could do. Follow us on social media, share us on social media, and please drop us a review, specifically on Apple Podcasts. If you have the ability to do that, it would be very helpful if you can give us a five stars and a few words about what you like about us. And anyone that leaves us a review between now and the end of the month, so for the month of May, I will draw randomly a winner to get a free copy of Cyberpunk 2077 on either Xbox or PS4 slash five. Wow. So wow. Uh, okay. Give us a review and I will pick a winner and you'll get a free game. And it's a really good oh. game. That's a game that I put over a hundred hours into. You know, I don't have time to beat a lot of games and don't try to beat. I guess we'll use the word beat because I did beat the story. <laughs> but uh I've <laughs> I've done I think I'm on my third playthrough of the story with different character. I absolutely love the game. And so I'd love to give a copy away to someone that hasn't played it. That's awesome. Very generous of you. Didn't know we had a budget, but hey, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, we don't, but we don't, but I'll be happy to. A little incentive for you to leave us a review. It really does help and means a lot to us. And hey, get something out of it, maybe. Yeah. So let us know if you leave a review anywhere other than Apple Podcasts, because we might not see it. We'll see Apple's. They're very obvious to track that way. But if you leave a review on a podcast app that you use to listen that is not Apple, just shoot us a screenshot on Twitter or send an email or whatever just so that we know and we can enter you in that drawing for the free game. That's it for us on this episode. We'll be back next week, but thank you so much for listening. This podcast is for you. We will be back soon, so get out there and fall in love with the game.